0: We don't need tabloid headlines to tell us about scandals. We see plenty in the reputable news sources. Scandal on Wall Street, off goes Bernie Madoff in handcuffs. Hollywood scandals, learn the lurid details of divorce. Doping scandals in sports. One comic noted that this is the first time in baseball history that the players have more additives in them than the hot dogs. A headline from the Jerusalem Tribune around the year 30 A.D. might have read, Nazarene Carpenter shows temple doesn't measure up. Can you imagine what it must have been like to have been in the temple courtyards in that time when Jesus came in? Well, imagine it if he did here. What what might he do? Take an axe through the front doors because we're not reaching out to the neighborhood enough? Or throw rocks through our stained glass windows so we could actually see the people who are around us? Or maybe he would make us throw out our new dining room chairs and replace them with cots for the homeless. The time of the Passover was near, John begins. Observant Jews then will be finishing off their bread and cleaning out anything with baking soda or baking powder or anything that leavens like they did in the Exodus. As the Jews were cleaning out their homes then, Jesus decides that another kind of house cleaning is necessary. Now, house cleaning is not my favorite thing. And that's why I married Brian. Now, that's just one of the reasons that I married Brian. But, you know, what I still have to do and don't look forward to is I have these boxes. For years, they were at mom and dad's, but now... They have moved around too much, so they're now in my attic, and I have to go through them. Well, I've got other boxes even that I have carried around with me, and at various times I'll discover little stuffed animals that someone lovingly picked out for me, and I have no idea who. And and these little figurines, little animals that I collected when I was a kid that someone gave me because they knew I would love it, and I did, but I have no idea of their provenance now. And even love letters from old boyfriends, but luckily they've been long superseded by Brian, my wonderful husband who cleans house. <laughs> Lent is a the kind of Christian time of year I think of as as house cleaning. It's our spiritual house cleaning, opening up the old boxes and blowing the dust off things or unwrapping them and deciding which activities we keep and which possessions we keep and which habits we keep. Are they still meaningful to us? Do we know where they came from? Do we know who gave them to us? Do they need to be thrown away or replaced? Well, this is one helpful lesson from today's passages, but there's more. There are more. The term stumbling block offers an image of a problem with the carpet that we might trip over or a rock or a sick sidewalk that maybe a tree has grown up. And so we, it might cause a stumbling block in the sidewalk. Well, that phrase translates the Greek word skandalon. And so you hear, if you drop those last two letters, the word scandal. Scandal is a stumbling block. Jesus did something scandalous in the temple, scandalous to the religious people of his day. We have a little bit of the response of the people, but I bet there was a lot more than that. Tradition had built on tradition. For the last few hundred years and since the temple tax had to be paid with a certain type of coin not a Roman coin there had to be bureau de change money changers in the temple so that they could trade their Roman money for the right temple money so that they could pay their temple tax and animals that were to be sacrificed had to be unblemished. So you think about moving, you know, you're coming from who knows how many miles away. You're traveling maybe by donkey or maybe walking. Do you really want to bring that sheep or that cow or bull, I mean, or, you know, do you want to carry the doves with you? Well, wouldn't it be easier and more convenient if we could just have them available at the temple? And it's a little more expensive, but we're willing to pay more money for convenience, To Jesus, these were weak excuses for having desecrated God's house of worship. More often and more easily, we think of the gentle Jesus calling the children to him. And we think of the healing Jesus offering a quiet but authoritative word or, or a touch that would help someone. And... These actions were scandalous in their own way and unusual, but now we have this zealous Jesus in the temple, active, even more scandalous. He looks around and he feels the anger rising within him. Perhaps he has learned anger management skills, but he drops them as quickly as he can as he starts making a whip of cords and driving out the sheep. And the cattle. And as he picks up the maybe plates of money of the coins that were on the, cha- the tables and pours them out, scatters them on the temple floor, and then he takes you can see his muscles bulging, perhaps, as he takes those tables and he turns them over. This is a different Jesus than we have seen in well, at all, in John. He is radical. He is powerful. He is angry. He is zealous. He is consumed by his zeal, we are told, going back to a psalm. Consumed means eaten up. He is eaten up by his desire for healthy worship in a holy temple that doesn't resemble a shopping mall. Scandals and excuses often go together. Those of you in the insurance industry may have heard some of these excuses. An invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. These are too good. I have to read them all. As I reached an intersection, a hedge sprang up, obscuring my vision. Can you see it? I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. The pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. (laughs) We have another inanimate object moving. The telephone telephone pole was approaching fast. I attempted to swerve out of its path when it struck my front end. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. (laughs) Jesus doesn't want our excuses. He wants our righteous anger, our passion, our zeal. These are more important to him than even our lives he shows us as he is preparing for his own death. I imagine Jesus standing there panting and sweating as the shocked Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. How is the temple of your body? Jesus wants our thoughts, our passions, our action. In the late 1980s, the fundamentalist takeover of the Southern Baptist Convention was in full swing. uber-conservatives with a political agenda had slickly gotten their cronies in places of power on nominating committees and therefore on the trustee boards of the mission boards and also the six Southern Baptist seminaries. And these new trustees cleaned house. If you didn't agree with them, you were shoved out. They left thousands of faithful Baptists feeling betrayed and grief-stricken. In 1987, a remnant of those disenfranchised assembled as the Southern Baptist Alliance. 2 years after that, they began a conversation about establishing a place to train not only men for ministry but women. After study and conversation, 20 years ago this month, a vote was to come up before the alliance. And three people of courage stand out in the story to me. It looked like it was going to be voted down. That it was just too risky to try to create a seminary from nothing. But there were a few who really wanted it to happen. And they knew of one person who could probably do something about it. Now, Elizabeth Barnes had been a professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in North Carolina. And so someone said, we need Elizabeth to speak to this matter before it, it just gets voted down. Somebody needs to speak. Where's Elizabeth? In the bathroom. We're getting ready to start. Somebody needs to speak. Tommy McDearest, who's now pastor of Blacksburg Baptist Church, says, I'll find her. So he goes, he sends a message into the bathroom to Elizabeth. Elizabeth comes out, and she makes this strong plea, this appeal for a place to train not just men, but women for ministry. There was no longer one in Southern Baptist life. And as Tom Graves described it, there was a complete switch, a complete turnaround where just minutes before or maybe before lunch, an hour before, it was going to be voted down. And instead, 95% said yes, yes, let, it, let us try this. Let us, let's go for it and see what happens. Well, six weeks after that vote, a provisional trustee board of seven people met. and When it came time to choose a chair, you know how that goes. But Mary Strauss said, I'll do it. Let's build an agenda. And from that point forward, the creation of Baptist Theological Seminary really began to... Become a reality. Start a seminary from nothing. No professors, no staff, no campus, no money. This is the kind of foolish scandal to which Jesus calls us. Two and a half years after those meetings and their bold vision in the fall of 91, the seminary classes started in a building rented from Presbyterians with three faculty members, a few other teachers and staff, and 32 students. Today, well over 500 people have graduated from the seminary at Richmond, not just men, but women too. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This remnant of our kind of Baptists use the power of passion and grace to overcome their grief and bring new life out of death. Power is not negative unless it's abused. Power always is desirable because it can yield magnificent results when it's used with God's guidance. The Apostle Paul reminds us, as he reminds the church at Corinth, that those things that first appear wise are foolish, and only the things of God are truly wise. Now, sometimes we seek power in immature and foolish ways. Like boys on a playground, we try to build up ourselves by bragging or putting other people down. Like a bossy child, if we feel powerless elsewhere... We seek a dysfunctional sense of control in a church or other organization. Or like a child who is coddled every time she falls, we find power by playing the victim and getting everyone else to feel sorry for us. Is it time to clean house? What would happen if we invited Jesus into the attics of our souls to power wash away the foolish, unnecessary parts and reclaim what is wise. What is wise? Worship of God at church, at home, at work, with friends, in nature. The grace of God, even in anger, in joy, in thought, and in action. Paul says, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. He doesn't even make a complete sentence. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. But I will. This Christ is the one who shares that power and wisdom with us. And so we cling to his example each day. This short poem is by R.L. Sharp. Isn't it strange that princes and kings and clowns that caper in sawdust rings and common folk like you and me are the builders of eternity? To each is given a bag of tools, a shapeless mass, and a book of rules, and each must make, ere time is flown, a stumbling block or a stepping stone. Let's pray. Lord our God, we ask you to help us to be stepping stones and guide people into your love and your light for the sake of Jesus and our world. Amen.